0: The reading this morning is Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 6. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened in the flesh could not do. set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Grace. Hello, how's everyone? It's really good to be back with you. Sorry for last week. Um, I'm a little bit wheezy still, so hopefully I don't, uh, cough too much and scare anyone away, but I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. I'm good. <laughs> uh good. Um, uh, we're continuing our, our series, uh, our family traits, um, uh, last week and this week, we're just kind of, we're, we're looking at what does it look like to abide in Jesus? and um, what does it look like to to continually practice the presence of God. So um, hopefully I gave you a, good, uh, a, a kind of a, an idea of what we're actually talking about last week. Um, let me give you a, a kind of brief recap. Um, my hope last week was just that you'd all go away with a better, even just a slightly better understanding of, of what we're even talking about. When we, when we say, hey, we wanna to learn to abide with Jesus, we wanna to learn to practice the presence of God, um, what, what does that actually mean? Um, when we say that. Um, And I essentially said, we're just talking about discerning and developing habits of awareness of God's presence in our life. And we just want to be aware of His presence with us all the time. And we looked at John 15, where Jesus, He described and He, He really invited us into this new way of living where we are no longer the, the vine who has to conjure up our own faithfulness and, and fruitfulness, and we are now in the new way just the branches, and our job is just to be with the vine, just stay connected to the vine because he is the one who, who actually supplies us with all the health, with all the power, with everything that we need in order to be faithful, in order to bear fruit. Um, it's, it's the only way forward for us um, but it's also an amazing way forward. Uh, it's this joy-filled life uh, that he's invited us into. Um, when we looked at that example of Brother Lawrence, who was uh, a cook, he, he wasn't a famous pastor. He wasn't. He didn't write a lot of books. He didn't write any books. Uh, his kind of thoughts were kind of collected into a book after he died. He, he was really. He was not well known. He was just a, a cook. He was just a dishwasher. Um, and, and we looked at him and how he 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 just learned to to simply. Uh, Practice the presence of God. He learned to just keep his mind uh, occupied with God's presence, to be, to be aware of his presence. And any time he, he felt that kind of wandering from him, he recalled that as often as he could. And, and this resulted in him dwelling in God's presence and enjoying God's presence, being just filled with, with joy and, and, and living with uh, just the bliss of God's divine presence. Um, and, and not just in his kind of special quiet times, but all through his day. Um, no matter what he was doing, uh, just just practicing the presence of God in the ordinary moments. Um, and I wanted you to, to just begin to see that this way of living, uh, of continually abiding in his presence, of, of being aware of his presence, is, is the only way forward for us. It's the only way to actually live the life that God wants you to live. It's the only way to live the life that you were actually created to live. Um, and, and it's also the only way for you to, to actually get what you truly want out of life, which is joy to the full. Um, and and I, I desperately want us to, to, to begin to understand that this isn't something that's, that's just for the spiritually elite. This isn't something that, that, um, that that's an oxymoron anyways, it's not, that's not a thing. Um, there's no spiritually elite. There's no like s- superstar Christians. Um, just wanted you to, be, to begin to see that this way of living, uh, in this moment-by-moment moment awareness of His His presence and enjoying that, um, it's for all of you. It's for every believer. It's possible you have the capacity to do it because His Spirit lives in you, um, and it's something that you can cultivate. Um, that it's really the if there's one thing I want you to take away over these two weeks is that. That, that you'd begin to understand that that growing in God's presence, it's a it's a process that ordinary every ordinary Christian goes through. Growing in God's presence is a process ordinary Christians go through. And um, one of my favorite uh, teachers on that uh, subject is uh, a Chinese church leader uh, in the 20th century called Watchman Nee, um, and he he wrote a book called The Normal Christian Life. And that's how he describes this. That, that's, what, that's what Jesus is calling us into. It's just the normal Christian life. It's not some elite level uh, spirituality. It's, it's just the normal that we should be experiencing. Um, and, and it's best summed up in Galatians 2.20, which I have on the screen. Um, these kind of topical series, we're not kind of planted in, I'm kind of go through a lot of scripture, so I'll have a lot of stuff on the screen. Um, but it's, it's best summed up like this, uh, where Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, and, and Washman Nee would say that Paul there is describing the, the normal Christian life. He's, he's not describing this elite level. It, it's, it's, he's presenting, here's God's normal for you. And if, if, if you experience anything other than that, then like a lot of times you can think, I'm just kind of normal Christian. I don't experience this stuff. Maybe I'll, I'll work my way up to that. Um, he's saying that's, that's the wrong kind of way to view this. The normal is, to, is for this, is to be summed up in those words. I no longer live. Christ lives his life in me. Um, and uh, in that book, he goes on to say that God really has one answer for every human need. And that answer is, is Jesus. So, so if you if you need salvation, get Jesus. If you if you need forgiveness for your sins, get Jesus. If you if you if you need to get rid of your guilt and your shame, get Jesus. If you want a, a deeper, more meaningful life, get Jesus. If you want joy uh, and satisfaction in this life, get Jesus. In fact, Paul would say, "Get Jesus and get out of the way." He he wants to live his life uh, through you, um, and that's the only way you can truly live the life that God wants you to live and to experience joy to the full. Um, but it's not some, something for extraordinary Christians, it's for normal Christians, it's for all of us. It's the normal Christian life, it's possible uh, for all of us. Um, I read that book when I was 20 and it, it just started begin to kind of shift my mindset that, that maybe this is something for me. Um, and I want you to begin to start to think that as well, um, which is really good because I'm, I'm really normal um, like if anyone ever like made their like emoji self on your phone? I can't do that because it's just like white brown haired guy. It's like you have no dis- you have no distinctive pers- like. It's just a white guy with brown hair. Um, really normal. Even growing up in school, I didn't excel. Um, I-, I wasn't some like superstar student. Even now, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Normally, I'm not like the, the personality of of a party. Um, really, really normal. Um, which is, which is great, because those are the people that God uses in, in Scripture. Uh, but I want you to realize that that life of dying to your flesh, dying to yourself, and, and abiding in Jesus, and Him living through you, that's something that for every follower of, Christian, for, of Christ, it should be the normal Christian experience. Um, it's great news for everyone, isn't it? That, that this is something that He's calling all of His followers into. Um, he's made each of us for that purpose. Um, here's what we're talking about. Um, it's this process of becoming who Jesus has already made us. Um, it's this Bible word called sanctification. And sanctification is is this it's Him setting you apart and, and saying you are now holy. Um, and, and sanctification. Anytime we talk about that, it's a, it can get a little bit confusing because in the Bible, sanctification, you being made holy. It's something that is is talked about as something that has that Jesus has done and is doing in your life. Um, so it, it talks about something that the sanctification is something that has been accomplished by Jesus on the cross. That 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 it's done. has been it's happened in the past. It's true for you. That that you now in Him are holy. Uh, Martin Luther calls this the great exchange, where your, your sinfulness has been put onto him on the cross, and, and now his righteousness, Well, you are now clothed in that, that you are now holy. So when God sees you, he, he doesn't see this like messed up sinner. He sees Christ's holiness, his righteousness. Um, that's something that, that is true for you. That's something that he has accomplished for you. Um, But at the same time, the Bible also talks about this sanctification as as something that's being worked out. It's it's this process that that takes deliberate action on our our, our part. It's something that that we grow into. So the best way to define sanctification is this process of becoming who Jesus has already made us. And and that, that growth process is something that takes time, takes a lifetime It's something that takes uh, a single-minded commitment. So in the Bible, it's clear that you, as followers of Christ, you can't kind of be half-hearted in that. You can't have a a double-minded life. James talks about that in James 1. Uh, But at the same time, this process is something that that. It's a struggle, so Paul talks about that. He, he, Paul writes about his own experience of, of having this inward turmoil as he strived to bring his life into unity with Christ, this process of being sanctified. Um, so it's normal for you to experience that, that sanctification process as a, a fight, a, a, as a struggle. Um, uh, Paul teaches that in, uh, uh, that we as Christians now have these, these, this kind of dual nature you have, you have two natures as a follower of Jesus. You have your, your your nature in Christ, which he calls the Spirit. This is something that he has given you, this new identity. You are now in Christ. You now live in the Spirit. But you also have this other nature, which is your, your human fleshly nature that, that never really goes away while you're still here on earth. Um, here's a picture to help you kind of understand, um, I was born in Arizona, and Arizona's a big desert, and, and like any desert, there's snakes there, and poisonous snakes. Um, and, and one day, we, we had a rattlesnake in our, in our garden. Um, it actually bit our dog on the nose, and our dog's nose exploded. Um, but my older brother, who was probably 13 at the time, and a lot of you know him, he got up on this table that was, ab- that was above this snake, and he had uh, a big spade, and he chopped the snake's head off, and he killed this snake, total hero. Um, and being the brave hero that he, that he was, he, he got down and then he picked up this snake by the tail for a picture and it's just kind of hanging there dead. Um, but, but snakes, even if you chop their heads off, they, their nervous system is still active. Um, so he was holding this snake and without a head, it went up to strike his hand uh, and he dropped it and screamed like a girl. And that, that's a decent picture of our fallen human nature. That, that our sinful nature, it's officially dead, it's officially been crucified with Christ, but it's still kind of kicking around. Um, it's still kind of kind of wreaking havoc a wee bit uh, in our earthly bodies. So what we're called to do as these, these amphibians, like an amphibian lives in the water or on earth, that's what we are like. We live in the, in the spiritual realm with the life in the spirit, but we also live in the, in the fleshly realm with our fleshly uh, selves still kicking about. What we're called to do now is to practice walking in his presence day by day. And that's what we're talking about. We're called to practice walking in his presence day by day, be- becoming more and more led by the spirit and indulging less and less our, our sinful flesh, putting that to death and learning and and practicing walking in the spirit so that we can now enjoy the the freedom and the the, the joy that he's made available to us. Um, So I want you to see practicing that presence, it's not about perfectionism because that's not possible on this side of eternity because our flesh is still kicking about. It's not about perfectionism. It's not about a, a, a polished product. It's a process of drawing nearer to the person who loves us and wants us to come close to him. Learning to to look to him in every situation as the eternal source of life and truth and goodness. Does that help kind of paint a clearer picture of what we're talking about? This life of abiding in Jesus, of of remaining with him and, and, and never leaving it's, it's not something that happens by flipping a switch. It, it's something that is a process. It takes learning and practicing drawing nearer to him and, and learning to, to look to him in every circumstance as the one who has the answers to all that we need. So look again at, at Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. That's his, his sinful flesh that, that is being put to death. It is no longer I who live then, but Christ who lives in me. So this is his life in the spirit. This is his new nature, our our new way of life in this God-given identity. And listen closely to that last bit. This is what we're trying to to learn to do. He says, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. That's abiding in Jesus. The, The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I want you to catch that last bit. And for Paul, the key to living this life of faith in the Son of God is to know that he loves you and that he gave himself for you. That, that's your starting point for learning how to live this life in the Spirit. To know that he loves you and that he gave himself for you. And that's absolutely essential that you you learn that to be true. Because every single one of us has baggage, don't we? We all have misconceptions about who God is and and what he thinks about us. We all have these, these lies that need corrected in our mind. Most of us have like dad issues of some sort. All of us have relational scars. And those things affect how we view God, don't they? And since we're, we're talking about things that are normal in life, uh, it, it's, here's another thing that's normal. It's normal to, to have this thought, surely there's no possible way that God could love someone like me. Surely there's no way God could love someone as messed up as me. Um, In a way, it's normal to think that. In fact, if you've never had any kind of thought like that, you might have some pride issues that you need to to kind of deal with. But surely there's no way God could love me. Surely his feelings toward me are more disappointment. Surely they're more disgust. And herein lies the, the greatest hurdle to this life of abiding in Jesus You're never going to learn to be with him if you think that he doesn't want to be with you. You're never going to want to draw nearer to him if you think that he doesn't want to draw near to you. Friends, you need to realize that the complete opposite is actually the truth, that he loves you. You need to hear that over and over again. He loves you. He, he gave up everything to get you. He, he, he delights in you. He, he sings over you. You make his heart sing. He loves you so much. And Paul says in, in Romans 5.8 that the proof that that's true is found in the cross of Jesus. So he says that, the, that God showed his love for you. He proved his love for you and that while you are still sinners, before you even wanted God, he showed his love for us that Christ died for us. He died for you before you ever wanted him at all. That's proof. It's hard to believe. That's, that's a truth that you're gonna your flesh kind of rejects. You want to reject that every single day. But it's true that he loves you, that he delights in you, and he delights when you draw near to him. No matter how many times you've, you've, you've strayed away, no matter how many times you've rejected him, he delights when you come to him again. And, and unlike every single one of our earthly dads, our heavenly father is this perfectly good father who, who actually wants what's best for his children and he gives the best gifts. And the best gift that he can possibly give us is intimacy and fellowship with Jesus. Because that's where endless joy is found. He wants what's best for you. And so he's inviting you to come to him and to remain with him. And again, intimacy with God through Christ grows like any relationship. You don't just flip a switch and, and it's great. It's, it, it takes time it takes getting it wrong, it takes failure, it takes commitment though. And that's, that's what he wants, he, he wants intimacy with you. He, this is what he wants kind of from you and for you. He wants uh, for you to be dedicated to drawing near to him. That's what he wants from you and for you. He wants, he's looking for love for and devotion to him as a person. He wants you to be dedicated to him as a person, not not like a system of beliefs, not a not a dedication to a program. He wants you to come to him. So so that's our goal. Get Jesus. That's our 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 goal and our motivation every moment of our day. It should be. No no matter what we're doing, no matter how ordinary, no matter how noisy and, and mundane. You, the thing that you're doing, our goal should be get Jesus. How can I draw nearer to Jesus in this moment? If, that, if you learn to make that your goal, it will absolutely change your life. How, how does this, in this moment, how can I draw nearer to him? How, how, does, this, how, how does this help me know him more? How, how can I devote this action to him? this normal, noisy, ordinary moment in my day. Um, so when I'm putting my kids to bed after a long day and I'm tired, I just want to sit on the sofa, how in that moment can I be aware of his presence? How, how can I abide with Jesus even in that moment? And, and the how does that change the way I, I, I put my flesh to death and, and live by faith in Jesus and, and, and devote that moment to him? How does it change the way I do that? Or maybe for you, it's when you're going to work on Monday and you have that team meeting and and you're just tired, your mind is filled with all the things you have to do that week. How can I learn to be aware of his presence in that moment? How can I speak truth to my soul and abide in Christ to stay connected to the vine so that I can bear fruit and, and bless my coworkers and experience the joy of God's presence and nearness with me? As you might be thinking, I want that. You might begin to, to feel the kind of flame in your heart being fanned and be like, I, I do desire that. I, I want that, and which is great. You might be thinking, I want to learn to abide in Jesus. I want to continually practice his presence and be aware of his presence. Uh, so tell me what to do. What, 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 tell me what, what steps do I need to take? Give me the action points. And listen, when we do start to get practical and, and begin to look at what this life actually does look like, how do we do it, there will be action. There will be helpful methods and practices and habits. There will be doing, but listen to me, it's of utmost importance when approaching what it looks like to continually abide in Jesus that our focus is on our being with him, over our doing for him. That should be our our focus as we approach this, is our being with Jesus, before we begin to, to think about our doing for him. So our focus every day when we wake up, and through the rest of our day, and when we put our heads on our pillows, should be being with Jesus, even before we begin to think of our doing for Jesus. Listen, doing for Jesus is absolutely essential, isn't it? We just spent three months in the book of James, and that book is all about being a doer of the word, not just a hearer. Having a faith that works. The way you can tell someone's faith is genuine is look at their life, the way they live their life. So it's absolutely true. Intimacy with Jesus will result in activity, but as one of my favorite poets and theologians, Aaron Weiss, says, a glass can only spill what it contains. You, you, you cannot give what you do not possess. So our doing, it must always flow out of our being with Jesus. Our, our activity, our doing for Jesus, as important as it is, should never outpace our being with him. And you see this all through the Bible. Those who know the Lord deeply and walk with him closely, for all those people, they're, they're being with him. Their knowing him intimately is the most important thing in their lives. And it's what their activity, their doing, actually flows out of. Um, David did lots for the Lord. Um, He he fought battles, took down Goliath. He was a king. He led the nation of Israel. He, He wrote countless poems and songs. But over time, David learned through a lot of imperfections, a lot of failure, that the most important thing for him must be to be with the Lord. That's what he says in Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I've asked the Lord, this one thing that I will seek after, is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That was his, his goal in life. That's his one thing that he's, that he's seeking and doing. He learned that through lots of failure but that his number one priority must be to dwell in the presence of God, to to gaze upon his beauty. His his doing for God must flow out of his being with him. Um, So turn to Romans chapter eight if you have your Bibles open. Um, Paul talks a lot about doing. Paul wrote, most of the New Testament, there's a lot of activity for the Lord. He liked using kind of of sporting metaphors, running the race to describe a a Christian life. He described himself as a boxer. He knows there's activity. He knows there's doing. But even for Paul, that doing must always flow out of our being with the Lord. Um, So read from verse one again. Therefore, uh, there, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are, in, who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. So good. For the law of the Spirit has, uh, the Spirit of life, has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. How did he do that? On the cross. He accomplished that on the cross. He condemned uh, the, uh, the sin in the flesh. Uh, he did that by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. Why did he do that? Verse four says, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. So that's something that we could never do under our own effort. We could never fulfill that, but Christ comes and he fulfills that for us. And listen how he, look at how he describes us. He says, us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So there's that putting to death the flesh again, our sinful nature, and, and living and walking in the spirit, our, our new nature. And that's how we're, we're called to live now in our new identity in Christ. We will walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So Paul, right away, he says it's gonna involve doing, There's going to be walking. There's going to be running. There's going to be activity. But listen what he says in verses five and six. Listen closely. He says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. You catch that? Do you see what he's saying? He's saying, you you will walk in a new way. There will be a change in your doing. You'll walk according to the Spirit, but that doing, that walking, must flow from your being. That that, that walking must be a result of what you set your mind on. So, So we're called to walk according to the Spirit, but that will result from you setting your mind on what the Spirit desires. And for Paul, this is a matter of life and death. He says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So again, he's saying, this is a much better way to live. This is a way that results in peace and life, not death. But for Paul, our starting point is not the walking. Our starting point, what comes first, is setting our minds on the spirit. Our doing for the Lord must flow out of our being with the Lord, and so, so uh, Brother Lawrence learned to 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 work out of his being with the Lord. He may have worked, he may have been working in the busy kitchen, but his priority in that moment was to be aware of God's presence and to enjoy it. Paul would say, what he was doing was he was setting his mind on heavenly things. He was setting his mind in that moment on what the Spirit desires. Brother Lawrence was doing Galatians two twenty in those moments. It's no—I lo- have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And now I li- this life. I now live in the flesh. Not according to the flesh, this is in a different way. I'm I'm in the flesh, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing dishes, but I do that, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So do you see that amphibious life of Brother Lawrence? He was living his life in the flesh. He was doing earthly things. He was doing the dishes. He was making meals. But at the same time, he's saying, my mind is set on heavenly things. I'm living by faith in the Son of God. I'm abiding in his love, in the love of the one who gave himself for me. And he was just enjoying that presence and that nearness. You see how we're called to live in both worlds at the same time? The, the spiritual overlaps with the material. But Brother Lawrence was was taking seriously Jesus' call to be a branch that stays connected to the vine. No matter where he was, no matter what he was doing, his first priority was to remain in his love and practice being in his presence. He was just enjoying God's presence, that nearness that we can now enjoy because of Jesus. Paul says there will be doing, but it must flow out of your being with God. It must flow out of setting your mind on heavenly things, on things of the Spirit um, and in a lot of ways, it seems simple, doesn't it? Don't think about these things, think about these things, and you'll be grand. Um, but that's not the way it works out in our life, is it? Because, it, again, it's that struggle. It's, it is a fight. We, we are, our minds are prone to wander. Like, it's frustrating just how easily my mind gets fixated on the wrong things. Do you feel that way, too? Our, our minds can so easily get, get, get fixated on the wrong things, Sometimes not even just, not even like the worst things, but just not the best things. And that plays itself out differently in, in all of our lives. For some of you, it will be when you're, when you're up for that fourth night in the row with a crying child, and your mind can just easily kind of get fixated on the wrong things. Or maybe it's when you have your calendar open, you're planning out your week, Maybe you're going go through your finances and your mind can just get caught up in the wrong things. Maybe it's when you're just in your home and looking about your house and you're thinking about other people's houses and your mind starts to get distracted and fixated on fleshly desires. Or maybe it's when you're scrolling on your phone and your mind just starts to get caught up by the flesh rather than the things of the spirit. So whatever it is, our minds are prone to wander, and we so easily return to the fleshly things. We so easily, uh, uh, the the desires of the flesh begin to take up residence in our minds again. We begin to wander into anxiousness and and worry and anger and pride and and jealousy and discontentment. We we begin to wander towards ignoring God in his moment-by-moment faithfulness and presence. Which is why Paul says, before you get to your doing, set your mind on the things of the Spirit, what the Spirit desires, not on what the flesh desires. Um, He says it again and actually builds on it in Colossians 3. It's on the screen. Uh, He says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. So fill in the blank there. If you've been raised with Christ, it means you've been dead. You've been crucified with Christ. So he's saying the same thing here again. Since you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. Brother, sister, what are you setting your mind on? Is it where Christ is, is it with with his presence, is it on God's things, or is it on earthly things? Um, You'll be able to tell based on the fruit in your life. Um, So if you're anxious, if you're constantly worrying, if you're weary, if you're angry, if you're jealous, if you're just worn out, that's a pretty good indicator that your mind is being caught up with earthly things rather than with Christ. Um, and Paul says we stay away from those sinful thoughts by by learning to let the Spirit guide our thinking. We, we learn to do that. We don't again. You don't flip a switch and it's 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 from then on out you're you're grand. We learn to do that. But it's like like flipping through the channels uh, on a TV and just constantly going or scrolling through through Instagram. And um, it, it's it's that versus actually setting our mind down and and letting it stay. And the Spirit can, can then work with our consciences and help us to see where our minds shouldn't be and where they should linger. Um, but do you notice how, in, in Colossians, how Paul adds to what he's saying, and he begins to talk not just about your mind, but about your heart. He's saying we not only need this ongoing new mindset, we need an ongoing heart set He's talking about this tuning of our minds and our hearts to the things of God. So this so our approach to each day, it goes beyond just our thinking, our mental ascent, and it starts to include our desires and our affections. He's not just talking about what you've set your mind to, he's talking about what you love. What do you desire? What do you want most? Look at uh, Philippians 4, 6 to 8. It's on the screen as well. Uh, In this passage, we're shown uh, more of what setting our minds and our hearts to the things of God looks like. Uh, And it's not just about eliminating wrong thoughts and desires. It's about replacing them with better ones. And the result is, uh, uh, so Philippians 4, verse 6. He says, uh, just before this, he says, The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, But in every circumstance, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And this is the result when you do that, he says in verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, So setting our mind on fleshly things results in anxiousness. But Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, he says, "Abide in Christ." That's what he's saying here. It, 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 here's what that looks like, is, in every circumstance, in every situation, be prayerful. In every circumstances, come to him with prayer and thanksgiving, and living that way, abiding in Him results in your heart and your mind in Christ, being guarded by the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Isn't that amazing? And so he says it again, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. These are God's things. So so set your mind and your heart on heavenly things. Set your mind and your heart with Christ. And that that word, think, think about these things, that word think, it's it's similar to that word dwell. Dwell here, dwell on these things, let these things take up residence in your mind. He's saying it it, it means to to not just to like let them flip flip through your mind, but to meditate on them, to chew on them, to stay there. Not just in our quiet times, not in a couple moments, but in every circumstance, he says, In, in all situations. All day, every day, abiding with Jesus, our doing must flow from our being with Him. We must first set our mind on heavenly things with Christ. And what does Paul mean by that? He means <coughs> He means by setting your mind on heavenly things, Paul is referring to pursuing a deeper knowledge of Christ Himself he's referring to to a deeper knowledge of Christ himself. So what's our goal in all we do? Get Jesus. Get get, get Christ, experience him deeper. That's what Paul is talking about here. That that's what he says in Philippians 3:10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. That was that's Paul's forever goal to know Jesus, to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And that's that's whether you know it or not, that's the main reason for you to put your faith in Jesus. That's the main reason to be a follower of Christ. Not so that you can live forever one day, although that's amazing. Not so that you can begin to kind of get rid of your pain in your life. The main reason to put your faith in Jesus is that you get to know him and the power of his resurrection. That's it. That's it. That's the goal. You get to pursue a, a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. It's, it's learning to make that our, our main goal in life, to know Christ. That's what he's referring to when he says, set your mind on things that are above. He's saying, pursue a deeper knowledge of Christ himself. So that was Paul's goal in all that he did. That was Brother Lawrence's goal in all that he did, to know Christ, to set his mind on heavenly things, to to dwell in the presence of God, to gaze upon his beauty, to seek his kingdom first, to live a life worthy of his name. Do, Do you begin to see the difference between being with God and doing for God? Doing for God, so important, so essential, but it must flow out of our being with him. Um, and there's, there's so many examples of, of men and women who, who lived this way, uh, but the greatest example is Jesus himself. Um, because no one did more than Jesus. That's how Paul ends his gospel. Jesus did so many things that the world couldn't uh, write all the books to like uh, include all that he did. No one did more than Jesus. But for Jesus, his work was done out of his identity being firmly rooted in being the beloved of the Father. Before ever engaging in doing any public ministry, Jesus' first concern in his life was to be with his heavenly Father. It was, was to, to, to be known and to know his Father. To, 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 to of know, knowing his identity as the beloved of the Father Enjoying his father's presence, so in the Gospels, you don't in the first thirty years of Jesus' life, he doesn't you don't really see anything him do anything extraordinary, and those years were all about him firmly rooting his life in being who God said he was. And in Luke three twenty two, you see who the father says he was. He says, "You are my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased." And so Jesus' first priority on, uh, of his life on earth was to firmly root his identity there. And I want you to see that we are now called to do the same thing. We are now called to know that in Christ that we are now the sons and the daughters of our heavenly father, that we, despite our sinful past, that we are now the ones with whom he is well-pleased. not because of anything we've done, but because of what Christ has done. We're called to root our identity there. We're called to to recall that often as we can, to dwell there before we begin any doing. Follow Jesus' example. Um, and, and, And when Jesus began to do his ministry, and you see he goes into the desert, um, he has those three temptations from Satan um, during those forty days in the wilderness, and those temptations they 're mainly focused on that issue of of doing versus being so the two of those temptations are essentially if you are the Son of God, do something, and the third was a bribe to abandon that relationship with his father and to bow down and worship Satan. So Satan, in that desert, was tempting Jesus to make the foundation of his earthly ministry all about his doing rather than his being with God. And Jesus prevailed in that temptation because of his single-minded focus on being with the Father, of living from that identity of being the beloved son with whom the Father was (laughs) well-pleased. And Jesus is calling us now To make being with him our first priority, to abide with him, to to remain in his love. Don't be tempted to set your mind on fleshly desires, they lead to death. Jesus is saying, Set your mind on me, and I'll lead you to life and peace and joy to the full. What an amazing way of life he's inviting us into. Um, just as we finish here, I said last week, there's a plethora of practices. There's lots of methods and, and habits to use throughout your lifetime. Um, the, these habits of, uh, of, of helping keep your mind in his presence, of, of being aware of his nearness. Um, there's lots of different practices. Um, some things may work for one person, and they might not work for the other person, and that's okay. Okay. Some things might work for you for a, a time and then maybe grow stale over time and you'll need to like come back and, and start afresh and, and find new ways. And um, totally normal for that to, to, to be the case. Um, I said last week there are essential <laughs> practices for, for all of us. Um, so time in the Bible, absolutely essential. That's how Jesus was able to, to prevail in the wilderness is by knowing uh, scripture, by by quoting scripture. Um, so one of the ways we set our minds on things abo- that are above is to stop listening to ourselves and, and, to, and to speak truth to our soul. That's what David does in the Psalms. He, he preaches to himself. David gathers God's truth from Scripture and to speak to his soul so that he would dwell on what is good and true and honorable rather than despairing and worrying. Um, you and I need to do the same thing. Uh, time meditating on God's word. Prayer. <laughs> praying God's word. Absolutely essential. Um, being with God's people being part of the church um, for every believer to, to be able to abide with Christ abiding with Christ it's not a, an, a purely individual pursuit it's a community project um, silence and solitude that, one, that one's it's hard um, I think it's clear though through scripture that silence before the Lord is a key component you, you won't be able to abide daily with Christ without silence and solitude um, Jesus constantly taking himself off to be with his father. Um, so there are practices that will be essential for every follower of Jesus. Um, I wish we had time to go into more of them. Um, maybe we can do like a Zoom or something and, and look at some of those things and some, some practical habits. But I uh, um, just want you to, to see again that no matter what that habit or that practice is, the goal in all of our life, no matter what we're doing, is to be with Jesus, to abide in his love, to be aware of his presence, rooting our identity firmly in who God says we are, and enjoying that new identity, enjoying that presence.